All right, good morning, church. Good morning, those of you who are in attendance. Uh, good morning for those of you who have tuned in online, whether you're on our, one of our platforms, on our website, or YouTube. Welcome. Good morning. Glad you're here. I'm uh, Brian Hayes. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, so excited that you're worshiping with us. I was kidding Alex uh, a couple days ago that I don't know that uh, God approves uh, fasting uh, from caffeine, um, but he must have some kind of an agreement with God that that's approved. So, uh, so be it. Uh, bold, not the way I would go, but bold. Uh, anyway, I love having Manda back up on stage singing. She's uh, beautiful bringing that, and also Joe, just as beautiful on the cajon. So, uh, hey, we've been in this uh, series. We, we launched it, and um, what's interesting about this is we, we set this series quite a while ago where we were going to look at the book of Habakkuk. And it, it appears that every week, if not every day, there's something that is stirred in our lives where we utter the phrase, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know why these things are happening. Maybe it's in your own uh, personal life. Uh, you find yourself going, I don't get it. Why? 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 And, and in fact, one of the most frustrating things that uh, can come about is you pray and then things seemingly get worse. So what's up, God? Why are you doing these things? So we're looking at the book of Habakkuk for four weeks, uh, trying to make sense of our world, uh, both from a, a grand uh, perspective, also from an individual perspective. So if you missed last week, you can jump on our website and, and view that or listen to it. You can download it, take it with you, um, because we're wrestling with when life doesn't make sense. Now, that's different than uh, Hallmark movies. Any of you Hallmark fans that you want to admit that? Bonnie, nice. Uh, anybody else? Joe? Okay. Diane, good. Anyone else? Donald? Hallmark? No? Okay. So here's how Hallmark works. There's a, a relationship. They experience intense difficulty, and then 90 minutes later, they live happily ever after. And often, year-round, Santa's involved. That's how Hallmark works. And for a lot of us, uh, when I say us, I use that loosely, when a lot of us, we want to watch those things because it allows us to escape real life because we all know real life doesn't necessarily work that way, especially within a 90-minute episode. And so we're wrestling with that. And if you've spent any time in the book of Habakkuk, you know that that's not a Hallmark movie. You know that here is this prophet Habakkuk who comes with his questions and his frustrations. He has a hundred questions, and he gives God over and over and over the, the questions in his heart, the frustrations in his mind, as he's watching what's going on in the world around him. He's bringing those things to God. And God often, much like your life and mine, sometimes is quiet and sometimes answers in a way that we don't really like. We don't want that answer. And so what do we do with it? Well, what we see in Habakkuk, 
uh, Old Testament book, actually five books in from the very end of the Old Testament in Malachi. You can find that in your, uh, in your Bibles now. But what we see in Malachi at the end of chapter three, and if you have been able to find Habakkuk, go ahead and turn to that. Habakkuk chapter three, starting at verse 17, because I think it's important to realize even though Habakkuk is bringing these frustrations, these questions, these promptings in his heart, he ends with an incredible heart of worship. And here's how Habakkuk ends. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. What this tells us, friends, is that there is a way. It is possible to go from despair to praise. We might not feel it if we're in a place of despair, but Habakkuk teaches us that there is a path to, to, or to go from questioning to trusting. There is a path for that. To go from complaints, which Habakkuk does not hold back, to go from complaints to praise. There is a way. It also reminds us to stay patient. I think of Moses as he's speaking to the Israelites. A lot of grumbling, a lot of complaining, a lot of people unhappy. And they find themselves at the brink of being destroyed by the army that's approaching. And here's what Moses says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It'll be on the screen. It says, he says to the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. And watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I wonder if that's the message for us today. Just stay calm. I admit it's, it's difficult at times when you turn on the news and, and it seems like the only thing that is shown on the news these days are the things that stir up our hearts one way or another, cause fear, cause anxiety, cause anger, cause frustration, even cause division within family and friends. I wonder if the Lord's word to us through it all is, just stay calm. Not stay calm because everything's going to work out perfectly, but stay calm because as we saw last week, God is on his throne. He's still in charge. And he's not just in charge of the big. Let's make it more personal. Your work isn't going well. Your relationship isn't going well. Your finances aren't going well. You don't know how school's going to end. Whatever it might be, stay calm. So, Quick recap of last week, if you missed. The Hebrew uh, name of Habakkuk is embrace. If you, if you like to take notes in your Bible, this would be a good one. On the very first page is the word Habakkuk, 
signifying the name of the book, put an equal sign and throw the word embrace there. And Habakkuk is trying his best to embrace his role as prophet. But everything around him is causing him to question, causing him to feel that tension. And in verse 2 of chapter 1, he's asking, how long? How long are we going to have to put up with this? How long are we going to see the injustices all over the countryside before you do something? How long before our world looks like your character? Because we know you're good, we know you're powerful, we know that you're loving, and yet if I look around the land, it's everything but those things. Why don't you control evil? If you're so good, what's up with your world? This is Habakkuk teaching us it's okay to go for a walk with God. This is Habakkuk teaching us, go find a park bench where you can look out. We have countless incredible views in Colorado. Go find a park bench and pour out your heart, pour out your frustration, pour out your anger, pour out your fears before God. Habakkuk survived it. I would assume you will as well. Habakkuk is living about 600 years before the birth of Christ. The answer, 600 years until the answer arrives. And where Habakkuk is living is in absolute chaos. It's not good times. We, we think what we're living in currently is chaos. We have no idea what chaos is. This is a time when every government official, every single judge, and every single priest, for the most part, are corrupted. Their hearts have been split. Their, their attention, their zeal, their passion is divided now. And to make matters worse, what's going on as Habakkuk walks the streets praying for the church, praying for the people of Judah, he walks around the streets, and what's happening Every street all over the countryside is physical sacrifice of children. Not just the heart. Not just people's words. There's carnage all over the streets as people take their young children trying to find hope and they sacrifice them. And this isn't just pagan folks. This is Judah. This is God's people participating in some of these ruthless, disgusting, evil acts. And Habakkuk can't ask it enough. Are you just going to stand by and let this happen? Do something. You can almost imagine Habakkuk at night laying down in his bed, Tears running down his face going, please let it be different tomorrow. Please do something. Are you even listening? And get up the next day, and there it is again. 
But notice this. This is, this is very, very practical. The, the Bible is so incredibly practical for our everyday life because watch what happens with Habakkuk. Habakkuk does not take his questions and run away from God. He brings his questions and runs to God. And too often in the church, especially in the younger generation, junior high, high school, college, just out of college, we question God and therefore we stop going to him. The, the recipe for success and good health is the opposite. God says, I'm good with your questions. Bring them. Run to me. Question all you want. Wrestle with me. Yell at me. Scream at me. Doubt me. Don't believe in me. That's fine. I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to pursue you. And that's exactly what we see in Habakkuk, is he runs to God with his questions, and he learns an important truth. He learns that just because we can't see God doing anything does not mean God's not active. And just because God hasn't answered our prayers does not mean he doesn't care. This is hard. It's hard when you pray day in and day out for relief. You pray day in and day out, month after month, and in some, some ways, year after year for something, and it not only doesn't happen, it gets worse. There's the rub of, is God my king? Can I trust him more than my logic? Max has, uh, my youngest nine-year-old Max, this is day six, uh, he's had just an awful stomach ache and terrible body aches, nothing else, just those two things. And every day I just pray, God, please just help him not hurt today. And then he just lays in my arms and cries. I trust my God. God formed my little boy's body in his hands. He created him in a special place in heaven before he was even thought of. And then he was thrown into the womb of my bride. God knows my boy's body more than I. I trust him. But it's hard. And it's okay to acknowledge that it's hard. And after repeated questioning, God says, you want me to do something? I'll do something. Stand by, watch, you're not going to like it. And Habakkuk responds again. Verse 12 in, in chapter one. Lord, you are not from everlasting, my God, my holy one. You will never die. Let's see. Yeah, all right, I got a different version, but nevertheless, go with it. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained, ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on an evil. He's kind of calling out God saying, you're this, this, and this. That doesn't add up to what I see happening here, right? Kind of going scoreboard on God. Again, bold move. Your eyes are too pure to look on an evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? 
You have made people like the fish of the sea, like the creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. We'll unpack that. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense in his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choices of foods. He is he to keep on emptying his net and destroying the nations without any mercy? Do you, do you see the honesty that Habakkuk brings before God? He doesn't tiptoe around God. He doesn't pacify God and, and give God what he thinks God wants to hear. He's honest. Now, notice a few things because it is important, I believe, uh, the more that you understand history and the more that you understand what was going on in the times of Scripture, Scripture comes alive. And it's the farthest thing from anything remotely close to boring. It's exciting and it's sad and it's hard. And if you notice in verse 13, there's a disconnect with what he knows God to be like and what he hears is about to happen. Remember, we learned last week, God says, you want me to work? No problem, I'm gonna intervene. I'm bringing the Babylons. They are awful, the worst people on the land and I'm gonna send them and they're gonna come and torture and punish you. That's my plan. Habakkuk doesn't like that plan. No one in this room would blame him. That's a horrible plan in regards to what he knows God to be like. And then the complaint continues in verses 14 and 15. Here's exactly what it says. Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? This is critical. Because what would happen is the Babylonians would come in as if they would defeat nations. They would take giant whale-like hooks and embed them in a human being and then connect them to chains and walk them around the town in celebration of their victory. And Habakkuk says, are you kidding me? You do realize what they do to those who they conquer. They put fish hooks in us. We're, we're caught in their net. And they celebrate around town as they burn incense in their celebration. Seriously, God, that's your plan? That's what you're going to allow to happen? That makes no sense. There, archaeologists have, have discovered ancient tablets that show this happening. They didn't have coloring pages back then. So they etched onto tablets and walls. And you see person after person in a chain gang with giant hooks in them. If you don't know what's going on in your life, if you don't know why God is allowing particular things to happen in your life, and you don't get it, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're sad, you're confused, 
Habakkuk gets you. God gets you. You're not alone. No parent should ever have to bury their kid. And yet it happens all the time. The difficulties in this world are endless. And most don't make sense. I, I say this because if, if, if you're looking at the news and you're looking at your life and a lot of you are, are going back to college and that is incredibly different and some of you are wondering, what am I going to do next year because I'm going to start college but I don't even have a clue where I'm going to. If life doesn't make sense, I just want to continue to encourage you, look at the model that Habakkuk gave us and implement that into your own life. Wrestle with God. Have you ever thought for just a moment, if I were God, just for a moment, if I were God, I would do things a little bit differently. Any of you thought that? Bold enough to proclaim that? If, if I were God, just for like five minutes, I would do things a little bit differently. I would... Uh, I would change some of the wrongs. I would intervene in some horrible situations. I would punish those who deserve it. <laughs> and I would capitalize and, and, and encourage and, and bless those who I think need it, right? I mean, what would we do if, if we were God? I would heal my family member. I would end world hunger. I would punish my boss. I would uh, force an, an end to political fighting. I would get rid of daylight savings. I would heal my marriage. I would bring a family member back who passed away way too soon. But alas, you and I are not God. That's a good thing, by the way. We are not God, and we never will be God, but what do you do when your faith has been shaken and prayer seemingly only makes it worse? It doesn't, but it feels that way. In other words, it's not getting any better. What do we do? That's where we're at this morning. Three quick points. Number one, when that happens, number one, we listen. We listen. We see this in, in chapter 2, verse 1. I forgot my Bible in my office. Sorry. We listen. Essentially, what happens is Habakkuk says, I am going to position myself in a way that I can best hear from God. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch at the station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am, I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk says, I've given you all my complaints. I've given you all my frustrations. And now I'm going to position myself in the best way humanly possible to hear from you. Notice 
Habakkuk doesn't say, I'm going to give you all my complaints, all my frustrations. Then I'm just going to go about my day and I'm, I'm banking on you're going to speak to me. No, he says, I'm going to do everything I can to hear from you. And often what we do, we don't position ourselves. We complain that we haven't heard from God, but we haven't positioned ourselves to actually listen. In 1998, Sandy and I had a, uh, an opportunity to move to Malawi, Africa. I was being courted to uh, visit an African Bible college there and to possibly go on staff. Sandy and I had been married for about a year, and a little, little bit more than a year, and we were super excited. No kids, no nothing, just her and I. Those were the days. We could do anything we wanted. Why stay in the States? We have an opportunity. And Sandy, being the adventurous one, was 100% on board. So I began to pray. And I can vividly remembering positioning myself to hear. I fasted, not caffeine. I, I fasted, I, I prayed, I read scripture. I got alone. We lived right on the beach and so I would just walk the beach and just, I tried to position myself because at the time I didn't have a whole lot of maturity at 22, Nevertheless, God somehow put some maturity in me to go, this is a big deal. You really need to listen. And so I spent an enormous amount of time listening, and I heard God say, no. Well, that's great. Here's the problem. Sandy didn't hear no. We'll save that for the marriage class. And we had tension. Sandy was sad about it. But I knew that I knew that I knew I heard God say no. And a couple of months later, Sandy began her journey of sickness. And had we have moved, we would have been in a real pickle. God told me no, and I heard it. Because I positioned myself to hear Friends, God does and he will speak to you. It may not be when you want, it might not be how you want, but God does and he will speak to you. He might speak through your circumstances you're in. He might speak through scripture. He might speak through another individual that you're very close with. He might speak through prayer. He might speak through a worship song that the band is playing up here. He is going to speak so position yourself to hear him better. If you really want to hear, what are you doing to do so? What changes are you making in your life? How much are you pursuing to hear? Because listen, if you run around like crazy in life, loud, packed schedule, doing things, rushing around, barely even have a, a time to grab a bite to eat and get to the end of the day and you go, man, I, again, I didn't hear God. Some of that's on you. Because I promise, as I read the scriptures, God answers. On a regular basis, he answers prayer. But you're going to have an awfully hard time listening 
if some changes don't take place in your life. And I don't know what those are for you. You, you have to figure those out. But I do know that in knowing almost all of you, life's nuts. It's busy. It's chaotic, especially those of us raising kids. So to be able to position yourself to hear is critically important. And when we don't understand what God is up to, why he's allowing certain things to take place, when everything around us seems to be unraveling, we pray and then we listen. Number two, we document. I know there's a lot of you who don't like to journal. You don't like to write in your Bibles. Uh, you don't like to write anything down. It takes a lot of work. I get it. But I'm going to encourage you in 2021 to, begin, to turn over a new leaf and, and to implement a, a different habit, and that is documenting your prayers and documenting what you hear. Why is that important? Let's go to chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. After you've prayed and you've listened and you hear from God, write it down somewhere. Type it if you don't like to write. But document it in some way. Why? Why is that important? Well, I'm going to give you four reasons why I think nowhere is this found in Scripture. This is just my opinion why it's important to do so. Number one, we have short memories. We have so much going on up here. We just have, we have short memories. We forget things. All of us do. And so write it down. Number two, it brings clarity to what God is saying. Because if you've ever been where, where I often am, you have all these thoughts going on and then you begin to write them down and slowly things start to become a little bit more clear. So write them down. No, number three, the enemy seeks to kill and destroy. And I would add, confuse. So when we write down what we heard God say, when we write down the directive that God gave us, it helps us because we're... we're apt to not forget it. It brings clarity to what he is saying and it protects it. And then finally, and this is the last thing, and I really do believe this, is that it makes it available to share with other people. That, that's why he says in verse two, write it down, the revelation, and make it plain. In other words, understand it. Don't, don't make it so complicated. Make it easy on tablets so that the herald, this runner, can run with it and share it with other people. In other words, when God gives you truth, when he gives you insights, when he gives you direction, write it down so that you can share it with me or the person sitting next to you. Or, or a year from now, when someone is really struggling, you can open your Bible and go, let me take you to this passage in Habakkuk. It was life-giving for me. I just want to give it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says this, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You ever think about that? God comforts you so that you can comfort someone else? 
we can't go on this tangent, but it, when we begin to wrestle with the problem of pain, when God comforts us in our pain, we understand it so we can go and comfort someone else in pain. So if you say, well, why does God allow pain to happen? You see the correlation there because it gives God an opportunity to comfort. That's not the whole picture, but it's a glimpse into the answer. My Bibles, and I have several, several Bibles, both here at the office and back at home. My Bibles are filled with promptings and insights from God. When Sandy and I were dating, choosing jobs, difficult decisions, painful moments of my life, my Bibles are filled with God's insights. And on a regular basis, when I meet with someone, I'm able to bring the, those individuals to those truths that are still evident and factual today. That's why it's important to write those things down. Because one of the worst things we can do is complain to God, hear from God, and then a year or two from now, forget what God said. That would be one of the worst situations for us. We do not want to forget what God has to say. So when we don't understand what God is doing or, or why he's allowing something to take place in our lives, we pray, we listen, we write down what God says, and finally the most difficult is we wait. We wait. And waiting's hard. Let's just be honest about that. I don't care if you're an old timer or a little kid. Waiting's hard. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait at a doctor's office. If they run two minutes behind, we go, do you realize how important I am? We don't like to wait at pharmacies. We don't like to wait in traffic. We don't like to wait at the hospital. Amusement park lines, any of you love those? Like you just can't wait to go get in a line? We haven't been in those in a while because of COVID, but I think the average wait at Disneyland before COVID was two hours. Like who's super excited for that? That is not the happiest place on earth in my opinion. We don't like waiting at red lights. We think, how long does it take to get a green light around here? Grant doesn't like to wait at a stop sign. We found that out last week. Some of you know the pains of waiting. You, you feel it all too well. You've been waiting for your marriage to be healed. And it's not. You've been waiting for a job. You've been waiting for your dream job and you keep looking, you keep applying, you keep searching, you keep asking God and nothing. Some of you uh, have been struggling with infertility and you wait and you take a test and you wait and you wait. Like I said, some of you are in the school system, whether you're a little tyke or in college, but you're wondering, what's the rest of this year going to look like? What's next year going to look like? And no one has an answer for you. 
And if they do, they change their mind in a week. Hunter. That's, that's not a shot at CU, but if the shoe fits. You're waiting on a diagnosis. Not feeling good. You feel something. You go to the doctor and you're waiting for a diagnosis. That's, that's a horrible wait. Waiting on the vaccine. Some of you first responders are, have already had the vaccine. The rest of us, like, I, I don't know. I've had several people ask my opinion, why I have no idea. Like, hey, when do you think we're going to get it? I'm like, you realize what I do for a living? I have no idea. So we wait. For many of you, you know what it's like to wait long term, and it hurts your heart because you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I have been waiting for 23 years for God to heal my wife. Who, who lives every day with an incredible, brave heart, courageous, loving, kind, and patient, and is in pain every minute of every day. And I've been praying for 23 years. That's a long wait. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you get just a glimpse into the heart of Habakkuk, who's going, seriously, how long? But listen to how the Living Bible translation gives us in chapter three, or I'm, excuse me, chapter two, verse three. Here's what it says. But these things I plan, this is coming from God. These things that I plan, all that junk that he told Habakkuk he's gonna do, all that stuff where Habakkuk's like, time out, I'm not quite sure I like your solution. Here's God's response. But all these things that I plan, they're not going to happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. That's hard stuff, friends. When, when we look at it from a global standpoint, it may not be that difficult, but we look at it in a very personal way, that's hard. So we wait, and it's important to routinely remind yourself that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. They may be eventually, but just a delay does not mean a denial. You see, God is working according to his timetable, his plan, his view of everything that's going on in this world. That's his job. Ours is to wait. But wait for what is the question? Look at verse 4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Don't miss this. If we read, it, if we read the verse pretty quickly, we'll miss it. 
Don't miss this. This is the main part of the entire book of Habakkuk. This verse. Don't miss this. As Christ followers, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't trust in ourselves. We trust in God. And we don't trust God because of what we see or what we hear. But we walk by faith because of God's character. That's what causes us faith. We walk by faith not because we saw God do something or because we heard God say something or we witnessed a miracle. We walk by faith because of his goodness. We walk by faith because of his nature. We walk by faith because of God's kindness, his gentleness, his faithfulness, his love, his hope. That's what causes us to walk by faith. That's different than the people that Habakkuk is witnessing. They are the proud. They trust in themselves. Their lives are crooked. As Christ followers, we live by our faithfulness to God. That's what we do. That's what causes us when, when Alex and the team is up here and says, let's sing. We sing because we have faith. And sometimes that faith is we're holding on by threads. Remember what the name Habakkuk means? What does it mean? Embrace. We are going to live by faith. And then when the waves of life crash around us and they will crash, When the waves of life crash around us, we will not let go. We will not let go. And, and look what Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 20. Keep in mind, Habakkuk is frustrated. He's sad. He's scared. He doesn't understand why these things are happening all around him, both in his own personal life and also with what's happening all throughout the land. It's horrendous. And yet, in all of that, Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. In other words, God is still God, so zip it. Habakkuk says, though I don't understand, though it's certainly not the way I would do it if I were God, though I'm scared and frustrated and angry and sad, I will remind myself that God is still in his holy temple. God is on the throne and there may not seem to be a way, but with God, there's always hope. There's always a way. And someone needs to hear this because you might be in a place where you go there's no hope why continue on why move forward I can't see a way out of this 
And I want to say to you, dear friend, if, if that's you and, and you're in a dark place, if you're struggling, I want to say to you, God is still on his throne. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. You might not want to bother him because you think, oh, my problems aren't that big a deal, but they are to me. Listen, the most minor to the most major, God cares about you. He cares what hurts your heart. He cares when, when we talked about this last week, when, he, when you ask God to show me the injustices of this world, show me what hurts your heart and your heart begins to break, God cares about that. Like many of you, I'm, uh, I've got a college daughter, but I've got three little boys I'm trying to raise in this crazy world. And often I'm at a loss on how to explain to them what I see on TV and what I'm trying to shape in their character. Are you with me? But hang in there because the Lord is still in his temple. And I will worship him and wait even before I get my answer. And I'll leave you with this last fitting verse. Psalm chapter 33. It's a great one to highlight in your Bible if, if you haven't done so already. Psalm chapter 33, starting in verse 20 through 22. We, as followers of Christ, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Isn't that great? That's what allows us to view as Habakkuk the atrocities happening all around us, the chaos, people losing their minds seemingly left and right, and to go, for our hope is in you and in you alone. So I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know if you realize this, but we get a new president on Wednesday. I don't know how our world, I don't know how our country, I don't know how our state is going to behave. I hope like adults, but I don't know. I never would have thought the Capitol thing would have happened, but it did. I have no idea what Wednesday is going to hold. I've blocked out the whole day to watch, to listen, but to pray. And so I want to encourage you as we head into this week of inauguration, as we uh, head into uh, more of these tumultuous times with the virus, with relationships, with infighting politically, it then infiltrating into our family dynamics and friends, I just want to encourage you. Keep your eyes on Jesus this week. Force yourself not to look down here, but to look up. And when you feel yourself, and you probably will, for one reason or another, when you begin to feel your blood boil, <laughs> pray and listen and wait because he's worthy of it.
What a great book. I, I hope you've been reading it. If you haven't, jump into it this week. It's just filled with incredible content. Let's pray together. Let's continue to worship. Lord, we love you. I, I can't, I can't picture what Habakkuk must have seen. I can't, I can't picture the smells throughout town. I, I can't picture the sounds, the injustices and the corruption. And yet here is your, your prophet, your mouthpiece to, to call people back to you and talk about a difficult task. I appreciate, God, that you allowed this book of Habakkuk to be included in the Holy Scriptures to give us great guidance and training, to be an example for us on what do we do when we don't understand. And so I pray. I pray for our country. Uh, I pray for our world. I, I pray for our new president and our new president-elect. Would you turn their hearts to you? pray for the cabinet that's being put together, all the government officials. I pray that you would turn their hearts to you. Pray for our state. Pray for the church here in Colorado and all around the world. You would strengthen it. That you would not allow the waves of sin and destruction in our culture to slow down or defeat your kingdom in any way, shape, or form. So we love you. Thanks for the gift of church, friends, and community. We submit our lives to you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the maker uh, of every flower that blooms throughout this world. You set every sunset and rise every sunrise. You fling the stars in the sky and you know them by name and you care deeply about us. So with that, allow us to rejoice and worship, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Would you please stand?